Welcome to episode 63 of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. Now we have a great episode for you and a return to regular posting for me. Now just a little background for you guys uh, who have been wondering where I've been. Now my family and I are in the process of purchasing a house and all the bother, expense, and labor that ensues. Now that it's all over, I have a new space that I can dedicate to the podcast and YouTube channel, and I plan to make the most of it, which is why I'm grateful my first show back features an interview with the absolutely delightful Nikki Koss. Now, before I get to the interview, I have some geek-related items I wanted to talk about real quick. So the first thing is Paramount Plus released the first teaser for the live-action Halo series coming in 2022, and as a Halo fan, I'm excited. Now, there, there isn't a lot in the actual teaser besides Pablo Schreiber's back as he puts on the helmet, but it's enough to literally tease fans who've been waiting years for the Halo series to come to life. Now, next real quick, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Sam Raimi and the cast of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness are gearing up for about six additional weeks of shooting on the upcoming film. Now, reshoots are not unusual, especially for a Marvel film, but these reshoots are being called significant, which means they're either cleaning up some story issues or adding elements connected to possibly other films in the MCU. Now, Multiverse of Madness has already been pushed back from its initial March 22 release uh, date to May of 2022. Now, Disney Plus Day has come and gone, and we got some great sneak peeks at um, at upcoming projects and confirmation of others, including a second season of What If. But I know a lot of Star Wars fans that were expecting uh, to see a full trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, as well as the Andor series that was actually in production already last year when Obi-Wan, when the Obi-Wan series was announced. Now, to be honest, I wasn't expecting too much because Lucasfilm and Disney like to do things differently. But I was thinking that with no new Star Wars feature film uh, being released next year, what better way to celebrate May the 4th than with full trailers for Andor, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and more. Uh, Some quick comic book news. I want everyone to check out what Scott Snyder is doing with his Best Jacket Press imprint. Uh, We Have Demons is definitely my favorite series so far, with some gorgeous art uh, from Greg Capullo and a compelling story from Snyder. I also really love the dark, intimate danger of Night of the Ghoul as well. Now, all of the series so far are richly engaging and diverse in both story and themes, and I absolutely recommend checking them out. Now, you can find them on Comixology digitally, because they're Comixology originals, or you can head to your local comic book shop and ask for them. Now, back to the reason why we're why you're actually here. Um, Nikki Koss. Nikki Koss is a writer, actor, producer, and director who you might have seen in shows like Freeform's Famous in Love or in films like Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse and the Terrence Malick-produced uh, film Red Wing. Now, she's making her feature film debut, <coughs> directing debut, I need to say, with the psychological thriller uh, Night Night. And the film looks visually engaging with uh, an interesting and and compelling plot. It looks gorgeous, and I can't wait to see it myself. So, without further ado, here's my interview with writer, actor, and director, 
Nikki Koss. Hi. Hi. What a fun background you've got there. Yeah, I just had to, you know, get some one of the shots from the movie. Just wanted to let you uh I guess feel at home. I don't know if that sounds right or not. I feel very at home. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for, for being here as well. I'm sure you got like a lot of stuff going on with the with the movie. So I I, I promise I won't take up too much of your time. Oh, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, if you don't mind, I just kind of want to uh, jump right in and ask some questions. I, I looked at the, at the trailer and uh, reading through all the press stuff and it, the movie just seems really interesting to me. So I just kind of want to uh, dive in. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of psychological thrillers myself, but I know they tend to be kind of like a tough needle to thread thematically. So what about Night Night inspired you to want to tell that story? Um, you articulated that very well. It's definitely a tough needle to thread thematically. Um, so I, I didn't write it, but I know that um, Robert Johnson, who's the writer, he's actually the chief of police of a small town in Texas and called Corsicana. And he uh, presented the script to me. And what really drew me to it initially was he said that um, it was, he was inspired by the, um, the different people he met on the force throughout his experience on the force. And that's kind of what inspired uh, the, the characters in the film and the story sort of trickled in around that. So I was definitely drawn to the, the, how based in reality it was Mm -hmm. because it's not often you get to see a psychological thriller that is um, threaded from reality to use your string analogy. (laughs) But even though it's, it's 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 in reality, there's so many just again from the from the trailer alone, they, there seem to be so many um, really interesting visual moments that almost can kind of skirt to the to the supernatural. And just because of that intense energy, like what kind of informed your decision about how you wanted to shoot the film, like what and what you wanted to see in certain films, and kind of what you wanted um, those scenes or the movie itself to kind of elicit in the audience. So I would say it's two things. One, just my general aesthetic as a filmmaker um, sort of on the is on the very um, visual end of the spectrum. And I really like to play with colors. So that came into play just naturally. But um, April, the Brenna's character, who's right behind you, um, she is really in almost like a dream state in the whole film. And she uh, the more we delve into the film and the longer it goes, the the less of a um the less the more difficult it is for her to understand whether or not she's in reality or in a dream or um sort of what's going on at all so i wanted to sort of parallel that concept visually and create this world that was um a very strange dichotomy with the what was on the paper i wanted to um, create something that felt almost bizarre compared to what you would imagine it to look like when reading the script. So I think that's kind of how it all culminated into what it is visually. Yeah. And a lot of that comes through, especially in the, in the shots that I was looking at, like the, the pink pickup truck against the pink uh, garage and like the baby blue um, and the baby blue and kind of the bed in the bedroom scene, where it's just like uh, baby blue lamps and kind of a baby, baby blue blanket so just again uh 
back to what you were saying about how you shoot visually, that definitely comes through in, in, in a lot of the shots. Thank you. Now you said I'm a, I'm a visual person. So I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comic book geek. So like I'm, I visually look at the page and then I, I get immersed in the story. So both when both of those things work together, it really kind of connects with me. That's why I want to ask you so many questions about both the look and kind of the process of the film. Now you said that it was a, that night nights, a, a refreshing new take on a female driven psychological thriller. Now just kind of contrasting with other uh, thrillers in the genre, like what are you, what about the genre? Did you feel needed a new take? Mm, wow, that's a really good question. Um, well, I have to admit, I was fairly new to the genre when coming onto this mm. film. And I'm not a big horror person. I'm not a big, now I'm a big psychological thriller person, but I wasn't prior to directing this. And I really inundated myself with psychological thrillers um, leading up to the shooting. I watched at least one a day for like a month and a half. And you know, they're formulaic in a weird way, because like you said, um, it's kind of hard to uh, thematically and plot wise, it's it's um, the goal of a psych thriller is to kind of keep you on the edge of your seat and kind of keep you guessing and keep you trying to figure out what's going on the whole time. So they're formulaic, but they're also really not. Um, it's a it's kind of a weird dichotomy. So I, I definitely wanted to play with that concept. Um, but what I felt like was unique um, about Night Night and what I felt like maybe needed some refreshing within that genre was um, the, again, sort of the parallel between the visual world that I wanted to create versus um, the the story as a whole. And um, I felt like a lot of these psych thrillers followed a f- formula visually Um, And I wanted to deviate from that. And I wanted to like the opening shot of the film is bright colors and it's Valentine's Day and there's hearts everywhere. And it really kind of feels like a romantic comedy almost. So I kind of wanted to play with that. And and, um, that bizarre element, I wanted to I wanted that to contribute to sort of the eeriness of it all. Oh, yeah. And I I can see that again, just kind of uh, as a as a as a fan of thrillers and horror myself, like again, the genre itself tend, lends itself more towards a lot of shadows and things like that and, and dark yeah. colors. And the color palette on uh, on Night Night just seems so different, but it also, in that sense, it kind of enhances the uh, the strangeness of the circumstances a little bit because you're, you're, you're waiting for the shadows to be the thing that fear, but everything is just kind of right there. You kind of see it. Yes. Yeah. And I I appreciate you saying that. That was definitely one of the goals because um, the reality of the situation is almost as scary as what you don't see. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's the, because just even from reading the synopsis, like everything uh, about the film itself, just how uh, April is dealing with not only the the death of her parents and her brother and a car accident and coma and waking up in this boyfriend that she's that she finds herself being with all of that stuff is just like right there in her life there's nothing that it, it that necessarily needs to be brought out from the shadow so it's just kind of it's interesting to kind of see how that is I'm, I'm interested in seeing how you play with that 
with, oh. uh, with those things just kind of being right out there in the open. Oh, you just get it, don't you? I love <laughs> it. <laughs> I try, but, but I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, no, this is really just such a cool interview because I feel like you're just like vibing off everything I'm saying. I love it. Well, again, I love the genre and I love anything that kind of challenges the genre or challenges yeah. genres that I've grown up with because horror like horror can horror and suspense can kind of fall into the same type of elements and because they fall into the same elements it's comforting but it's not challenging so yeah. i really want I'm, I'm always interested in seeing something that's challenging um because again if if i'm going to be scared of something or if i'm going to be unnerved by something i want to be able to see it and not predict that it's about to happen like again yeah. i've been watching horror films for years I, I know what's going to happen next and it's yeah. fun to watch, but at the same time, it, there's no challenge left in it. So this one just, again, from even just from the, even just from the trailer, there seems so many different things that will kind of challenge me visually. Yeah. Kind of see where this, where the suspense is coming from. And even in the moments that are uh, suspenseful from it, again, it's, it's right there. Yeah, well, that was definitely the goal. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I watched No Country for Old Men, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. There's barely any music in the whole movie. Yeah. And um, it's almost like 10 times more adrenaline pumping because of it, because it deviates from the formula so much that we know and we love and throwing us off our game in that sense Um it, it just really lends itself to being on, you know, the edge of your seat. So that was um, something I wanted to kind of play with visually too. So I'm, I'm really glad that came across. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, uh, and I did kind of see notes of the Coen brothers in, in that. <laughs> well, Ian, like I love thrillers. So, I mean, blood simple and uh, yeah. <laughs> no country for old men. Like I, uh, I, again, those are the films I grew up with, but, um, and just kind of going into into that as a as a director like you got you've assembled like such a a really interesting brilliant cast in uh, Brenda D'Amico and Tony Todd and Eric Roberts like how is it kind of uh, directing those those veteran actors um and how and were they able to influence your vision or were you able to kind of get them on board with yours um well they were definitely open to you know the vision and uh, especially Tony Todd and Eric, they they've done this so many times that they just kind of show up and they're like, what do you want from me? Um, but I found with those two, um, especially I kind of just, there wasn't really much directing to do with those two. I mean, little tidbits here and there, but I kind of just let them do what they know, um, how to do so well already. And, um, I, I, I always find with a- uh, actors, I'm not big on auditions. I like to go kind of straight for offers for actors that I, mm-hmm. whose work I feel like I can really trust and feel good about and confident in. So the reason I do that is because I feel like um, the the character becomes their own once they take it on and once they mm-hmm. decide to play it. And it's my job to let them take ownership of the character and not do it for them and I'm there to guide them and give them ideas and help them you know bounce their ideas off of someone and get creative but really I have to trust that I hired them for a reason and you know they're going to do the best job at interpreting this character so 
definitely um, went in with that mentality. And Brenna was an incredible collaborator. She was just a director's dream. She was open to absolutely anything. She showed up with so much professionalism and uh, just enthusiasm. And she just knew her lines front and back. She was incredible to work with. I truly want her in like everything I do. Well, that's awesome. And again, going back to what you were saying, as far as like, not necessarily liking the, uh, well, I don't know if you necessarily said liking the casting process, but kind of reaching out to people. And like, you started your own production company, uh, K Factor Films. And like, what led you to go into the production side of the industry? And, and what do you find rewarding about it? So I've been producing for like about eight years now. And the reason I started was because uh, as an actor, you can really only do so much to progress your career. You kind of just have to sit around and, you know, wait for auditions and you can make connections and take people out to coffee. But I was doing everything I, I possibly could. And I was still waiting around, you know, and right. I'm a control freak a little bit. And I, I like to, when I want something, I like to go get it and I don't want to wait around mm-hmm. for it. So producing kind of fell in um, into place very naturally because of that. And I, I just wanted to work. I wanted to be creative and, and create content. So I started creating it and I guess um, labeling myself as a producer um, just kind of by default, because I guess that's what I was doing. And then um, I ended up producing everything I directed and things I even that I didn't direct just because, again, control freak I just wanted to make sure it all Mm -hmm. went the way I wanted it to go um and then as far as my production company k-factor films goes I had a a plethora of of projects sort of under my belt and it, it felt like it was time to put them all under one umbrella and to take that umbrella and just fill more amazing projects under it and um just fill it up with great content so it it was really just the right timing and kind of a long time coming. Right. As far as the, again, going back, going back to the film, um, what have, uh, what have you gotten as far as like, what's been some of the best feedback you've gotten about the film, either by the story or the visuals or the, or your directing. Besides everything you've said in this interview. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hmm. I mean, people have really been responding to the visual element of the film and especially the colors. And um, that feels really good to hear. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people have really loved the performances, especially Brenna's, which, I mean, she was phenomenal in this film. So that's been really special to hear. Um, But, oh, and the music. I really, I take a lot of pride in the music because I worked hand in hand with our composer, Michelle Richards, and our music supervisor, Alicia. And they are just powerhouse women, forces to be reckoned with. And we really wanted to do something really unique with the music in this film. And like the visual element, we wanted to um, sort of turn the formula on its head and create something different and special and unexpected and so people have been responding really well to the music well that's that's great like I was kind of want to know like um again it, it I I don't particularly I don't want to just keep throwing praise out there but I just I, I'd love it's how, okay you could throw praise <laughs> I just, I, but I do love how the film looks looks visually like just kind of um so just kind of want to um 
know like, i guess from that from the from the visual perspective like were there uh were there moments that you found difficult to shoot visually the way you wanted to or uh did were you able to just kind of get in there and have things uh the way you wanted before you shot before you shot the scene yeah, there were definitely difficult moments. I mean, on a low budget film, you're not going to, you're always going to have to compromise your vision in some way. Um, so that was tough, especially when I was really felt so strongly about the vision I had in my head. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to give that up on the day when you realize it's just not going to happen the way you wanted it to. Um, timing and money has a huge, you know, it's a huge, plays a huge role in that. Um, and I would say the biggest challenge for me was, on a technicality level, I didn't go to film school. So everything I know about directing, I learned on set or I taught myself. So um, there's a little bit of a learning curve um, technically, because I'm also not tech savvy at all um, when it comes to lighting and cinematography. So sometimes it's hard. It was, I found it difficult to communicate what I wanted to see um, and how to articulate it in a technical way that um, would be quick and easy to understand for my gaffer and my DP. Mm-hmm. So that was a challenge. And um, moving into the next one, I'm really going to pay special attention to the lighting so that I know um, exactly how to get it to where I want it to be. Well, that's, that's refreshing to hear. Cause I always, I, it's refreshing to hear that, you know, that, you hear about it kind of after the fact that there are things you have to compromise, but it is refreshing to, to hear that um, about the learning curve of it, because it, a lot of times it, there's so there's such a, uh, there's such a mystif- mystification about the process. And it's, it's interesting to hear it kind of demystified in, in that way. And you were talking about your next project. I was looking on your, on your um, production website and you had written you've written a feature called daisy is that the is that the next project that you're directing um that's my baby um i'm very 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 excited about that film when it ultimately comes to fruition whenever that will be um that's not the next one i'm directing it's a definitely a big budget film and we're still in the process of you know making sure we have enough money to shoot it before we actually go ahead and do it that's Mm -hmm. when i cannot compromise on um because again i have that vision so clear in my head and i want it i i really want that one to be perfect um but i'm going to be directing romantic comedy next which i'm really excited about because i'm i'm looking forward to implementing my filmmaking aesthetic into a totally different genre Mm -hmm. and a genre that i would like to watch on a daily basis is my favorite type of film i love a good romantic comedy okay so on on that same note, are you kind of looking to uh, try new genres with every uh, w- with every project, or are you kind of uh, trying to find what what you like the most and kind of stick to it? Like what? Um, sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unlike acting, you know, I've been I've been told by several people when they were giving me advice on directing that as a director, you have to pick a genre. And for your first, you know, five projects, you have to stay in that lane. Um, That's really the only way to do it. And I can't quite wrap my head around that because I like a a plethora of different genres and I have, you know, excitement and, and vision for different types of films. 
And I don't want to box myself into one category. So it sounds very counterintuitive. Like, I know. Is that and I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me because I feel like a lot of these filmmakers that I love and I look up to, they do sort of stick to one genre. So um, I don't know kind of what, uh, how I feel about that yet, but I, I kind of want to challenge it and, and um, mm. see how it goes and hopefully it goes well. Um, but I, I kind of want to go against the grain on that one and dabble into a few different genres. Okay. Well, um, since we have been talking about uh, psychological thrillers, um, if even if they're not necessarily psychological thrillers, as a director, what are some films that you would kind of that you would recommend to anyone considering getting behind the camera? Ooh, um, gosh, I could list hundreds. Um, <laughs> I mean, my favorite films um directorially are, are Scorsese I think that mm-hmm. he just really hits every angle um in terms of you know aesthetic plot music and performance um yeah. it, it, he comes full circle with his talent and you know we have other filmmakers like Wes Anderson who's fantastic but he's obviously a very he puts most of his eggs in the visual basket mm-hmm. um, sometimes you know, other things maybe falter because of it. Um, everything he makes is still fantastic, but <laughs> I think as far as, you know, go, going full circle, um, Scorsese is pretty fantastic. So I'd say The Departed, The Aviator, Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. those are like, he's just, I mean, everything he makes is fabulous, but <laughs> Then I would say you have to dabble into like, you know, the Tarantino, Wes Anderson, Coen Brothers world to, yeah. to see um, how highly unique these uh, go-to famous directors are and what makes them so unique. Because everything I create um, as a director, I, I take like a little sprinkle of each and I mm-hmm. use that as, you know, influence for whatever I do next. So I would say pick, you know, the top eight directors watch their top three films and then don't let um don't forget about the og films like the hitchcock films and you know those black and whites are are important too um yeah so i would say just watch as much as you can honestly and um my advice would be watch watch it once as just an audience member and enjoy it and then watch it again right after with the sound turned off someone told me that once and it was just great advice you can really zero in on the cinematography and you can figure out what's going on without the sound which is every director's goal right telling that telling the actual story well um nikki cost thank you so much uh for being uh, on the show today i i really appreciate it i really appreciate you having me and your thoughtful questions and just it was really really great talking to you well, uh, it was great talking to you too. And I would love to talk to you about your, your next project or any project uh, you have coming up. Um, Definitely. This, this is great. And I look forward, uh, definitely look forward to seeing Night Night. And it's uh, it's available it's available for pre-order now on, uh, on uh, Apple, right? On iTunes. Yes. And it comes out November 16th. I don't know when this is going to air, but that's tomorrow. Um, so it'll be available November 16th on VOD, Apple TV, iTunes, Amazon Prime, just like everywhere you can watch movies pretty much. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts. You have to let me know what you think.
I will absolutely. Again, I look forward to it just from just visually alone, just from the the story and the and the trailer. It it's definitely something that's up my alley. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you again. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Once again, I want to thank Nikki Koss for being on the fan cast. Speaking with her was a treat and definitely inspired me to keep doing this and reaching out to people doing exciting and interesting things in entertainment. Her feature film debut, uh, directorial debut, Night Night, is available on demand on iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, Google Play, Vudu, Vimeo, and more. You should definitely check it out. Also, you can always find the latest news, reviews, and interviews on uh, my website uh, www.superpoweredfancast.com you can always follow me on twitter at superpoweredfan uh, drop me an email let me know what you liked about the show what you didn't you can contact me via email at uh, superpoweredfancast at gmail.com now if you like this episode please leave a review and let me know what you think until next time this is darren from superpoweredfancast signing off mm-hmm.